Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So we are continuing our series in the Apostles' Creed, and this is kind of fun. I'm actually able to look over here and see people. Yeah, we have uh, some of our welcoming team over here, so that's kind of cool. Uh, we're, we're, we have uh, two more sermons left in this series. We've, we've made our way through uh, eight of the confessions that are written in the Apostles' Creed. If you remember, I told you that the Apostles' Creed, it wasn't written by the 12 apostles, but about 200 A.D., these statements started to come together, and, and we were uh, talked about how these statements were attributed to the belief that the apostles had at, at, at that time, or what they believed about God and Jesus Christ. And it, it covers so much stuff. Now, we could have easily had a, a 12-week sermon series and still not cover everything that we needed to hear about the Apostles' Creed. But, see, the first section was all about God the Father, everything that, that God the Father did. Then the second section, which had the, the most amount of, of writing, was all about Jesus Christ, about His life, about His death, and His, His resurrection and ascension. But the last statement of this creed, I've always thought or found to be interesting because it's like these, these rapid-fire statements. But all four of the statements in this last section are all I believe statements. These are statements that, that help us see exactly what it is that we believe as the church. Today we're going we're gonna to cover those first two statements, and then, the, then tomorrow, and the next week we'll finish out our series with the creed with the last two statements. But today we're going to talk about how I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, and the communion of saints. So the two statements that we're talking about today is that how I believe in the Holy Spirit and that I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. Those two statements are connected. And you'll see why here in a little bit, but it's important to remember that the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints are a part of the same thing. But first, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Out here recently, we just did a sermon series on Encounter the Spirit, so if you want to get more in-depth with that, I invite you to go to our website, and you can find that whole series to hear about the Holy Spirit. But today, what I really wanted to focus on was the Trinity. We, we talked earlier, uh, when we talked about Jesus Christ, about how the, the Trinity is a, a community. It's a community between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, the important thing to remember about the Trinity is that it's not something to dissect. It's not something to try to, to get and know every single uh, dot and tittle, if you will, of, of what the, the Trinity is. But 
The Trinity is important because it is a reminder of the community that we are to join in. See, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are a part of the same community, and we as believers are invited to, to live into that community, that community of who God is. Now, we could do, again, a whole sermon series on what the Trinity is, but I, I wanted to kind of make this quick and succinct of what the, community, what, what the Trinity is. There are many definitions about there to try to get an idea of the Trinity. Sometimes people like to use the, uh, the, uh, the, the clove, the, the shamrock, the three-leaf shamrock, that how each leaf is separate, but they're all a part of one plant. I've heard people use a definition of water or H2O as a definition of what the uh, Trinity is because water can, uh, can exist in, in water form or in ice form or in steam form, but when you look at it all together, it's still all H2O. It, it's that same thing that makes them together. But for me, the best definition of what the Trinity is came from a good friend, the late Reverend Dr. Ella McDonald. And I had uh, the pleasure of working with her on a, on a chrysalis uh, flight, and she was asked about the Trinity. And she said that the best way that, that I can look and, and describe what the Trinity is, it's like an egg. If you look at an egg, there, there are three distinct parts to the egg. You have the shell, you have the egg whites, and you have the egg yolk. All three of those different things have a purpose, and, and, and they can do something. But however, you need to have all three of them together in order to have life. Isn't that beautiful? You know, we, we, we look at how we can use eggshells for, for different things. We can use, you know, we separate the egg whites from the egg yolks to get healthier things or, you know, type, type of different cooking or uh, I think even uh, decorating and stuff like that. You can use the different parts of the eggs. But if we are going to have life, you have to have all three of those components together. And my friends, I, I, I say to you, if we are to have life as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we have to have all three of those, those things together. We have to have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We can't separate them because that breaks up the community and that breaks up the life that we can experience with a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That leads us to the second section of our creed that I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this morning, and that is the phrase that I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. I think it's really cool that in this creed we state that we believe in the church. We believe what the church does and the activity of the church, because right now in the world that we live in, the church is being attacked. And I don't mean that as kind of a, a warring faction. What I mean by that is that when people take a look at the church, 
they, they have a tendency to, to dismiss the church and to say that the church in whole is not necessarily important anymore. I, I believe in Jesus, and, and, and that's all that matters. I, I know that I can have a relationship outside of the church with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But, my friends, the important thing to remember is that the church is given to us by God. What do I mean by that? Well, that goes to our scripture this morning. Our scripture is from Matthew chapter 16, and I'll be reading through verses 13 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So do you see how there at the very beginning, when Jesus is with his disciples, and Peter makes this confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, he says, this is where I am going to build my church. I'm going to build my church on that confession. The words that you have said, Peter, that is where the church will grow from. And when we look at the Apostles' Creed, it gives us the example and the picture of how this is boiled down. First and foremost, we know that the church is supposed to be holy. The church is holy. It, it is set apart. Romans 12, 1 through 2 reminds us of that by saying, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, the call of the church is to be a, a holy place, a holy people that, that are set apart in a way that, that looks different than the world around us. And I don't know about you, but when I look at the world today, I see that the world needs the church now more than ever, and that, that the world needs a, a group of people to stand up and say, this is what 
is tested and approved and, and what God's will is. This is what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for us to follow as people of God. We have a tendency to let our lives be pushed by different viewpoints or different movements that are in the world today instead of listening to what it is that God has called us to do. The second thing that our creed calls us is that we are to be the Catholic church. Now, this is not saying that we are Roman Catholics, but the word Catholic with that lowercase c means it's universal. It's a church that goes beyond Royce City. It's a church that goes beyond the United States of America. It's a church that covers the entire world. When I grew up, I grew up in the Lutheran church, and I know we have other Lutherans that, uh, former Lutherans that are a part of our church, and, and when, we said, when we said the Apostles' Creed, we would change the word Catholic to Christian. So we would say, I believe in the Holy Christian Church, because there was no way in the world we wanted to be associated with Catholics. Now that I'm grown and now that I'm older, I understand the differences between that. But what it helps us to see is that the church has never been described as a place, but it's been described as a people. It, it is a people who were called out to go and, and be the hands and feet of Christ to the world around us. Never in Scripture do we really have a, a big gathering of people, but 13-plus times you can see that the church gathered in people's homes. They broke bread together. They, 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 they shared Scripture with one another. They did all of these things in little organizations around the whole world because it was how they were able to stay safe. It was how they were able to really build community with one another. Because, my friends, if we're honest, it's really hard to build community when we are gathered in one big space all together. But it's when we take the opportunity to gather with, with people in one small space, then we can get to know each other more. And we can help build each other up. While I'm thankful that we are going to start having people worshiping here in the sanctuary, I do not want us to lose track of what the church is all about. I don't want us to lose track of the work that, that we have done or lose track of the work that we are continually called to do. See, Peter gives us the definition of the church in our scripture earlier. The, the church is a group of people that, that celebrate, that worship the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And my friends, if the church fails to be a body that is not proclaiming Jesus Christ, then we're not the church. If we stop proclaiming Christ as Lord then we're just an organization. 
then we just do good things that really can amount to some things, but really doesn't build an everlasting hold in our lives. So we as the church, individually, we help one another grow in our faith. We, we, we take time to, to sit and have meaningful conversations that help us to see how we continue to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. Then when we do that, it allows us the opportunity to help others, to encourage others, to, to allow them to see the Christ inside of each and every one of us and allows us to introduce the love and grace of Jesus Christ to others. And, and when we have the opportunity to do that, it completes by reminding us that all of us are a part of the communion of saints. Now, for some people, when we think of the communion of saints, we think about those that we loved who have, have parted before us. But, but all of us, those of us who are already in the sanctuary, those of us who are still watching online, we are all a part of the communion of saints. It's the whole community of faithful followers of Christ, living and dead, past, present, and future. It reminds us that each and every one of us has a job to do. And, and, and to understand what that job is, all we have to do is look at the writings of Paul in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, where, where Paul talks about how we are the body of Christ and how each and every one of us have been given a specific task and ability to build the church up, to build one another's up, to, to, to build each other's up so that we can grow and live our lives as faithful disciples. Next week, we will conclude this series, just building onto this because this involves you. Each and every one of you in this room and each and every one of you who are still watching online, being a part of the church involves you and you have a task to play. Let us find out those tasks so that we can truly live as Christ's disciples. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for the gift of the Trinity. And as the Trinity helps guide us and lead us and build us up, we give thanks for the Father who created us. We give thanks for the Son who has redeemed us. And we give thanks to the Holy Spirit who, who continues to sustain us and helps us to see how we can be your church in the world around us. Lord, as we live in these difficult times, and as we still kind of try to figure out how we are called to move forward, give us your spirit. Allow us to hear your word in our lives so that we may love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So, Lord, thank you for your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen.